Our reading can be found um, in Isaiah chapter 43, beginning to read at verse 14, and that is on page 730 in the Pew Bibles. Page 730, beginning to read at verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello again. What a wonderful hymn that is. I am listening, Lord, for thee. What hast thou to say to me? Brilliant prayer as we uh, turn our attention now to Vision Sunday. So, Vision Sunday, each year we look briefly again at the vision God is inspiring. And we do this on or around the anniversary of when I started here as vicar, which is three years ago this week, maybe it feels more like 23 to you, uh, um, or even 33, but I'm so sorry if it does. But let me just remind you briefly about the journey we've gone on so far in relation to our vision. Almost three years ago now, the PCC agreed a vision framework, like scaffolding, 
which we could build around or within within our church community. Something to help shape and guide our vision, what God is inspiring in us and through us. And this framework came out of my appointment and that process and what I was then instructed to do by the bishop and the archdeacon. And it came out of the parish profile that formed the basis of my appointment. And here it is. Mike's going to put it on the screen for us. So this is what's guiding our vision. You've seen it before. We're being led to grow an attractive community of all ages by journeying further and deeper with God. So that's through worship, prayer, living out our faith in mission. We're developing existing aspects of church, recognizing that so much of what we have already will help sustain the church into the future. So that's, for example, our Sunday morning worship. It's like the bedrock of our church, if you like. We're resourcing church life that reaches out with God's love. We're rediscovering our part in God's mission. It's not just about going to church. It's about helping other people to experience the life-changing love of God in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're exploring new ways of being church, recognizing that things need to be changed, new things need to be done. Instead of just expecting people to come to church on our terms on a Sunday, which they're clearly not doing, we meet their needs and meet them where they are. So that entails doing some very different things. And we're doing those as well. And so from that point then, the PCC identified 12 key areas or aspects of our church life that we needed to explore together to help show us the priorities that we needed to look at and address. We wanted everyone to have the opportunity to contribute their thoughts, their pictures, their words of knowledge, and their ideas. But it was important that we did so in community, in small groups, so that different opinions could be shared and heard, and to prevent it becoming just like customer feedback. Because in church life, If you've got a burning passion about something, then it's God's way of saying, get on and do something about it. And so we received a lot of feedback, as Hilary Taylor would tell you, because she sifted through it all, and she sorted it all, and she made it wonderfully presentable. So thank you to Hilary for that. And then Phil Extance, who's a member of the PCC, you may know him, then led the PCC through a day that helped us to prayerfully make sense of all the thoughts and the ideas. And on that day, main strands began to emerge. Common themes became clear. And wonderfully, our vision priorities were identified. As the PCC, it was a very powerful and moving occasion. And then the PCC set up something called the Vision Strategy Group. And they then produced our vision map, uh, a document that helps plot how we're going to work towards this vision that God's inspiring and and show us the way, if you like. Many of you will have this document. And if you've not got it, then it's available (coughs) from the church office. And it shows our vision priorities, the main areas we feel called and inspired to work on over the next five or six years. The vision looks at aspects of church life, ministry and mission. And it also gives some details of what it might entail the tasks that need to be done. But, of course, the thing about vision is that it's 
abstract. It's theoretical in a way, isn't it? Of course, it isn't concrete, and it requires our imagination. It's God's inspired dream. Jonathan Swift once said this, Vision is the art of seeing things invisible. Vision is the art of seeing things invisible. And so as Christchurch, we know the direction that we're heading, but we don't know fully what we're going to look like when we arrive. And so we have to do one very important thing, which is to trust God, because we are his church, and it's him who is shaping us. And then each year in January, the PCC examine this vision map to prayerfully assess progress made and the work to be done over the coming year or years. This is an insightful, encouraging and immensely challenging time, as you can imagine. And so, as you can see, as a vicar, I aim to inspire and lead this vision. But it isn't just my vision. I share it and I'm more than happy to lead it and communicate it. But it's the vision of Christchurch Baston Hill. Everyone had the opportunity to have an input. Every bit of it at every stage has been worked on collaboratively by the PCC and the PCC committees. Ask any member of the PCC and they'll tell you that the vision or parts of it make up the main chunk of every PCC meeting through discussion and prayer. And this is very, very important. Working towards a vision is a journey. In fact, the PCC have sensed over the last three years that God is leading us into an adventure. That's why our church mission statement now mentions this. Loving God, living his adventure. And so, as with any journey, it's important sometimes to stop and to take in the view. Just like I did on the afternoon of my induction as vicar nearly three years ago today when I took a walk on Lith Hill with Kate. It was a glorious afternoon, autumn, but it was warm and sunny, clear blue sky, and it was a fantastic way to go to Lith Hill and just to stop, take in the view and to pray. And so that's what I would like us to do today, <clears throat> to take in the view, to look back at where we've come from and look forward to where we are heading, to remember and to anticipate. And at the request of the PCC, I've invited uh, two, three people to share stories of how partnering together in the gospel has brought about wonderful things for God. This way, as we then move towards our gift day next week, we give thanks and then we can respond. And I've asked these people to remember what God has been doing and to anticipate what we hope to achieve together in the coming year. And so we're going to hear from a few people this week and then one or two people next week as well. So, Laura, would you like to start us off? Please. I'm just going to uh, shut this blind because uh, some of you are going to get a headache, aren't you? Good morning. Um, I've had the real privilege of being here for 18 months now. Um, and have seen God move in amazing and miraculous ways in the youth ministry. 
and just want to say thank you first and foremost for your partnership in the Gospel in delivering the youth work. Because of your help, we were able to take 15 young people to Soul Survivor, all of whom responded to Jesus through worship, prayer or giving their life to him. And nearly all of them, bar four or five, came from Zone. So that's the youth club that we used to run in the village. So prior to this, wouldn't really have had any experience of encountering Jesus in such a powerful way. Following on from this, we've started a Thursday evening group for these young people called Soul Space. And amazingly, started off with four or five young people in the summer holidays, and now has grown to over 20. And they come every week to learn and know about Jesus, worship him, pray. And again, all of these young people that attend are unchurched. And it's just been amazing to see God at work. And they're more than happy to worship together, to pray together, and to read the Bible with one another. Closer to home, we've seen the young people grow in leadership and their giftings through Life Space, Soul Space, in YSG and WGW, and are now actively starting to seek where they can serve others, both in church and elsewhere. And that's been a really amazing journey and something that really I've just had to step back and see the young people take on those roles quite naturally. Last year alone, we met over 150 young people through Zone, all of which had an opportunity to experience something new and explore Jesus through craft and conversation. And it was an amazing bedrock for some of the work that we've started to do now. In total, we meet 35 young people every week who have a desire to follow Jesus and more closely through YSG, WGW and Soul Space. Previously, the number was around 15, so it's really grown in the last couple of months. We've also taken part in Soul Purpose, a weekend-long mission across Shrewsbury with young people leading others in serving. And in Soul Purpose, you really see young people's passion for mission, young people's passion for serving really come to the forefront as they lead others in worship and lead the town in what it looks like to love their neighbour. We've also had contact with the CU in Shrewsbury Sixth Form College in partnership with YFC and have put on sacred prayer spaces around key points in the Christian calendar. This has been a real privilege to spend some time praying with those who are 17, 18 years old, going through a real transitionary period, and for them to say that they love the quiet, they love the space, and they love the solidness of knowing that God is present. We're also meeting on the first and fourth Sundays of the month to serve the rest of the congregation and unchurched friends and family in life space through a social activity every month, whether that be bowling or cinema, film club, games evening, hopefully um, church quiz nights, along with alternate um, four Sundays of the month, eating a meal together with bread and wine and then holding a service for the rest of the church, family and friends. We've also, last year, took three girls along to Shine, a girls' conference which looks at building esteem, identity and confidence through Christ last year. And this year, are looking at taking 10 to 15 young girls, which has been absolutely amazing. The one thing that really struck me when I went to Soul Survivor was that there was not really one family that had come from outside of the church that had not lost a mum or a dad or um, 
were from a single parent family, which was just absolutely devastating. And all of these were young girls who obviously seek identity and things in other places. So it's just been a real privilege to know that they're wanting to learn more about their identity in Christ through this conference. But as well as remembering what's happened in the past, we also want to look forward. And through your partnership in the gospel, we hope to start a new way of engaging with young people in the community through your space, a drop-in which includes a prayer space, quiet, food, and the sharing of skills intergenerationally, whether that's knitting, whether that's budgeting, maths, science, whatever is your thing, it might be gardening, then we would like to invite you to partner with us in sharing those skills across the generations to help young people know and understand Jesus through community. We also help, hope to start mission academies with YFC, a training programme for young people to help create mission opportunities and foster missional communities in schools, friendship groups and college. And this will happen over four, um, four sessions, over six months or so, and they'll have the opportunity to meet young people from other churches and dream big for Shrewsbury. And lastly, we want to continue work with YSG, WGW, Soul Space and Life Space through the coming forward of more leaders and helpers. And this is really crucial to continuing our work. But also to see, and crucially underpins all of this really, to see all areas of the youth ministry transform lives of those who encounter the projects, leaders and young people who attend them. And of course that transformation coming through Jesus Christ. So thank you for all of your hard work what you have ploughed into youth ministry and I hope that this is a partnership that will continue to see the young people in this village flourish and come to know Christ. Thank you Laura, that's wonderful. Um, Emma and Joan are, are going to share as well now because they could come up. Good morning. We just wanted to share very briefly with you some of the things that have been happening with um, children and families um, fairly recently. So um, I'm going to talk about Messy Church and a little bit about school, and then Joan's going to share a little bit about Tiddlywinks, which is our um, group for under fives and their parents and carers that meet on Friday mornings. So um, Messy Church, first of all, through our partnership in the gospel this year at Messy Church, we've celebrated three milestone services. Um, in February, we had the joy of celebrating um, some baptisms. Eight of our Messy Church community um, were baptised, children and adults, um, many of whom had been part of the Messy Church community since it began in 2010, um, and who we've had the privilege of getting to know, walk alongside and encourage in faith um, since then. In March, we celebrated our first communion service together, um, which was a really special uh, time for us. We built our own um, altar table, we made our own altar cloth, we made our own chalices, bread, wine, um, and we came together um, to celebrate that special meal um, that um, we all celebrate and, and almost take for, for granted, but actually was a very special time for most of our Messy Church community. Um, for lots of them, it was the first time that they'd entered into that, that time with Jesus. Um, and it was really emotional and really reverent um, and, and very special for us. Um, and then as, as Tim spoke about earlier on, uh, later this month we're preparing to celebrate our first confirmations at Messy Church. 
um, four adults and two children feel ready to take that next step on their journey of faith um, and are ready to make a fresh commitment to Jesus. So Bishop Mark is going to come and help us with that. Um, and we spent some time preparing uh, this week with, the, with that group of, of people who are ready to take that step. Um, some of those had be, have been with Messy Church from the start. Uh, one lady is a, a grandmother who attends Messy Church with her granddaughters. Um, and she says she feels she's ready to recommit herself to Jesus. She was baptized at the age of 18, um, but feels that Messy Church has helped her to re-nurture that faith um, in Jesus that she, she had. And it's reminded her of how important that relationship with God is for her. Um, and she wants to make that public commitment once more. Um, another, um, another lady, a, a mother who comes to Messy Church, um, started to join us about a year ago. She um, comes with her daughter, and she initially started by asking questions like, does being a Christian really make a difference to your life? And um, when things are hard, does knowing God make any difference to you? Um, and we just, just chatted with her, really. Um, and she now feels ready to make a commitment for herself. And she's going to do that on Wednesday, too. And there are some others, but I won't go into every single story and share every single one. Um, that's just a flavor of what's going on, really. So Messy Church is a church. It's not a club. Um, it's Christ-centered. It's all age. It's creative. It's hospitable. And it's welcoming. Uh, every month we feed spiritually, intellectually, and physically over 100 people um, with your help and through your giving. Um, and through a fantastic team of cooks who come and wash up and prepare and uh, do amazing things that you, you know, I just couldn't manage. Um, so we do that. Um, and together as a team, we help people to encounter a God of joy, a God who loves them and wants to give people life in all its fullness. And some, some people that come to us are only just beginning to recognize that. Um, but God does amazing, amazing things every month. So in the coming year, we're hoping to take some of our Messy Church community a little bit deeper. Those who um, want to know a bit more, those who are ready for some nurturing and some discipleship, we're hoping um, to, to do that and to help people with that. Um, but we also want to continue to build a thriving Messy Church that meets month by month. We also want to be surprised month by month by what God does and how he built his kingdom in us and through us. So that's Messy Church. I was going to talk to you briefly about school as well. Through our partnership in the gospel, we're able to share the good news of Jesus with 400 children every week. By leading collective worship, but also by bringing the whole school here once a month. The children and their, their teachers, they travel, they walk up here once a month um, and we lead a, a service, we, um, we worship, we pray, we share God's word. Um, and our hope is that in the next year, we'll be able to work with school um, in a bit more of a targeted way to support some children who um, need some more pastoral care, some more pastoral support and input. So that's our, our hope for the, the next 12 months. So that's Messy Church and School. Joan's going to talk to you about Tiddy Winks. Much more briefly, but I, 
I just feel like if you came into the church on a Friday morning, you would be forgiven for thinking what on earth is going on here, and you would be very hard-pressed to find somewhere to put your feet without tripping over something. But there's a lot going on. There are about 40 to 50 mums and some dads who come every week. Um, that's with the children as well. And uh, we offer a lot of activities based on some themes of the Bible, which we've prayed about. And um, we aim to talk to the mums and dads. And as you look at all the chaos going on around you, you see all the busyness, all the, the Play-Doh and the bricks and all of that. But you see all these little conversations going on, people sharing their lives and talking about their struggles, their worries for their children, their hopes for their children, all the things that you all have experience of. And uh, with our ears, we are listening, and we do get opportunities to tell people about the Lord, the mums and dads. I, I really feel for myself. I love to have a cuddle with the babies. I love to be able to tell them how beautiful they are, because it's really important uh, that we all tell each other how beautiful we are. And you can pick up those babies, you can bless them. And we are beginning in there to build up the messy church and to be built up, built up the zone. It's an ongoing, long-term process. But the mums and dads are listening, and we've had one mum whose dad was very, very ill, who asked to come into the church to pray, and we were able to tell her that we were praying. We had one guy, one of the dads, whose father's very ill and has lived in Basin Hill, but it was a death store, but is really still very much alive. And uh, we've been able to pray and put into people's lives things in that morning where you wouldn't, you think, how would you get through to people? But just by being there and loving people and caring about them and showing God's love. And we've had people come from all over the place. And we say, where do you live? And they'll say, Copthorne or wherever. And we think, how do you get to know? Because mums in Basin Hill come and they love it so much. They tell their friends all over the place. And they come to our thing on a Friday morning. And you say, why do you come? And they say, well, we feel it's friendly. We feel accepted and welcomed. And we're given a cup of tea. And... Um, it wasn't really my thing, I would say, babies. But I came because Emma had a need, and uh, I'm still there two years later doing it. And if you think you'd just like to come and cuddle a baby when you haven't gone to cuddle anymore, or talk to a mum with your experience, because it's amazing how you can look at a child and say, that child needs to see a doctor, and somehow you can get around saying that to the mum. Or you can say, well, actually, that's quite normal, because we... Uh, there are all sorts of things if you want to be involved you would be more than welcome because we run around like headless chickens on Friday morning to keep it all going thank you for listening thank you so much Joan thank you Emma thank you Laura uh, isn't it thrilling to see what God is doing in us and through us and uh, how we're uh, partnering together that's just a flavour of, of some of the things that are, are happening with, with young people children and families and as I say we're going to hear a little bit more about other things uh, next week so remembering and anticipating and I just want to steal a little bit more time I know time is against us uh, but we'll work with that because I want us to reflect just for a few moments on the Bible passage because we see the Lord encouraging his people Israel to do just this to remember and anticipate in our reading from Isaiah 43 because God's mercy is seen in his faithfulness in the past. The Lord is he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Read that in verse 16. God reminds his people that he freed them from slavery 
and helped them escape their enemies. And as a church, we know God's mercy and faithfulness too. Over the years, God has freed us and helped us to escape our enemies. He's been with us through thick and thin. He's constantly been leading us on our journey. And it's important that we remember this. The Lord is he who has made a way through the sea for us, a path through the mighty waters. And so if this is true, then, of course, God's promise of mercy and faithfulness makes a difference today and into the future. And in his words to his people Israel, God reminds them of this. Having reminded his people of who he is, the one who's always been on their side, God tells his people these words. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. It's so easy to cling to the past because we know it. It provides safety. It's familiar. It's good to remember God's goodness. But we are ever moving forward as his people. And so here God tells his people in no uncertain terms, stop mournfully looking back and clinging to the past and open your minds and your hearts to the new, miraculous act of God that lies ahead. And this new thing won't necessarily be uh, familiar, comfortable and unchallenging. Following God's vision is difficult. It can be uncomfortable, painful even. In the time of the prophet Isaiah, the people of Israel, they've been exiled, driven from their lands. They're wearied, lacking in hope, lacking in direction. Their part in God's purposes has seemingly dwindled. And yet God has a vision, a way in the desert, streams in the wilderness. The promise isn't that the people of God will be immediately transplanted to a better place, taken to an oasis of refreshment and renewal God's vision is for streams in the wilderness the promise is for God to be at work doing a new thing in the hard place in the difficulty in the pain in the barren land for us as a church if we're honest things are difficult in some ways the church nationally has declined over the last decades we've lost sight of our part in God's mission We've fallen into the rut of attending church just for me at times because our part in God's purposes has seemingly dwindled. And Christ Church Basin Hill is not untouched by this. It's been hard. And yet God has a vision. And he's inspiring it in us and through us. Away in the desert, streams in the wilderness. A new act of God lies ahead But this will come in the hard place, the barren land. Following the vision God is giving us will be difficult. It will require that we forget the former things. How things used to be done. How others used to lead. How our needs used to be met in this way or that way. Letting go of the past will require that we lay down our own agendas, our own hopes, our ideas and our requirements. Forgetting the former things will require that we tear down our idols, those things that have taken our attention away from God, either in our own lives or in our collective life as a church. Forgetting the former things will require that we let go of our own diverse and varied understandings of what church means 
because there are as many understandings of what church is as there are people in this room. It means something different for every one of us. But of course God wants to shape us into his church, not my church or your church. Maybe we each need to let go of our precious ideas of what church is and fall in line with God and the adventure that he's leading us into. We can, of course, fight this. In the vision that God gave to Isaiah, the people have been repeatedly blind to it. They've been blind to God's plan for them and for his world. But God's promise to Israel and to us is that he will lead us, blind though we may be, through the new experiences and the places that lie ahead on his adventure. And so to finish, as God is leading us from the old and familiar into the not yet, it can feel like we're stuck in no man's land, that we're nowhere in particular. It can feel really disorientating. And in some ways, this is where we're at as a church. And so in this in-between place, what will hold us? What will help? Well, I want to encourage you to remember and anticipate. Be encouraged to remember that the God who guided us in the past is leading us today and into the future on his adventure. Cling, though, not to the past, but to the one who promises that he's doing a new thing in us and through us. Anticipate the new thing that God is doing. A new thing in a difficult place. It won't be pain and challenge free, but it promises to be an adventure that takes us deeper into the heart of God's love and further into his plans for us and his world. So be encouraged. Stick with it. The Lord is doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? He's making a way in the desert and streams in the wilderness. Amen. Um, Libby, I think if it's if it's okay with you, would it be okay if we just